if we say we have no sin, then we're liars, we're proud, we're self-righteous Pharisees, right? But as we look into these scriptures, which is going, we're going to be looking at in 1 John and many others in the book of 1 John, you're going to find a different teaching from the apostle. Now, when you listen to this, don't just write me off here at the beginning because you've been taught differently, but stay tuned to the end and you see for yourself. So we are going to be starting here, 1 John verses 8 and 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So does this mean um, what most people prevalent uh, in our day teach that it means? Well, we need to understand what the context is. Why would John write this letter? Well, he's writing this letter for doctrinal purity's sake. He was writing this letter to tell the people at those times and obviously us in these days that Jesus was a literal living human. Jesus literally died and he made atonement for our sins. And so he taught that, but also he's warning against the Gnostic teaching. We're going to talk about the Gnostics in just a minute. But he was basically telling them, do not be deceived by the Gnostics and lose your own soul. So John, throughout this epistle, separates real Christians from the pretenders, and those pretenders in this case are the Gnostics. And he says that true Christians have real fellowship with God, as opposed to the Gnostics having no real fellowship with God. All of this, the doctrinal purity and the teaching that John is bringing about and the warning that he's giving, he wants it to result in right Christian living. So now let's look into the Gnostics. Who are the Gnostics? Well, the Gnostics, they were a people that believed that material things in and of themselves were sinful. And as we ascended up the ladder into spiritual things, then it was more uh, pure. And I can't say that they even thought that it was sinful because they didn't believe that sin existed at all. But in those two camps, there was the type that said, well, my body is impure, so I'm going to hate my body. So they were more of the ascetic type. They fasted a lot. They didn't eat pleasurable foods. Maybe they abstained from sexual activity, so many different other things that they had done. Or there was the other group that said, well, we live in this material body, and the material body in and of itself is impure, so live however you want, because I can't really even help it. But I do have this special knowledge, so it's not going to hurt me in the end, because my spirit is pure, though I may be doing impure things with my body. Pretty similar to things that we have to deal with in our day. So the material is sinful, and when they say the material is sinful, they had the belief that Christ was not a real human being, because his body would have been sinful, and they believe Christ wasn't sinful. So then what was Christ? He was a phantom. He was like a hologram. He was just an illusion in front of their face. So with that teaching, they thought Christ didn't really suffer because he wasn't really alive. They also denied the existence of sin. They didn't believe that sin even existed at all. It was a mental construct. So if you had the special gnosis, you didn't need the atonement. And that special gnosis helped them to know, and they were trying to spread that to the church, you know, as if the church had missed something. So because they live in a sinful body, then naturally they're going to do evil and uh, morally wrong things. They wouldn't believe in the existence of things, sin, but impure things. So it, it would translate into our vernacular, something like this. Where they always sinned outwardly, but their spirit was pure. So they thought that this was where they were living right then, but they also denied that they had even sinned in the past whatsoever. They didn't need an atonement because they had the special knowledge. And then they denied their sins in the past, but they also denied the present existence of sin in their lives. Now, the problem with that is Christians now would apply that and say, you know, if somebody said that I, I've stopped sinning, then they would say, haven't you read these two verses? He that say, says that he has no sins, a liar, and the truth's not in him. 
No, these people say that they didn't have any sin that needed to be taken care of at all then, even though they were not people that had been born again. They never repented. They never received the resurrection power of Christ in their lives. That's how those verses are to apply. If we don't get context, we can twist this and make the gospel fall in on itself. And I just want to tell you that Gnosticism is very much alive and well in the church today. It just has different clothes on. So where is that alive in the church, alive and well in the church today? Still the same thought that we sin uh, outwardly, even though our spirit is pure because of the special knowledge about Christ and his imputed righteousness. So we continue to sin, but Jesus looks at us through rose-colored glasses. Sounds awfully similar to the Gnostic heresy that John was trying to refute. So the Gnostic claim was that they continually did wicked things, but they were still pure in their spirit. So this is the claim of much of modern evangelicalism. This is the claim of Calvinism. If you have this special knowledge, then it doesn't matter. Jesus died in your stead. Uh, and, and then the perseverance of the saints, which was uh, a Calvinistic idea, has twisted up into some looser doctrine even today, which is known as once you're saved, you're always saved. All of these have stemmed from the Gnostic heresy. And the Gnostic heresy uh, has now morphed into this statement now. Christ was holy for me, so I don't have to be holy myself. And this would be touted as a normal Christian life, that we sin in thought, word, and deed every day of our lives, and there's nothing we can do to change that. But is that what John is saying? Is that the normal Christian life? Is this what Christ died on the cross for? Well, I believe the rest of 1 John gives a refutation of that. John talks about uh, dark and light imagery, and he does that in verses 5 and 7. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Then if we move down to seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So what is he saying here? He is encouraging that we are to no longer walk in darkness, and darkness, according to John, is sin. It's wickedness. And we're not to make any provision or excuses to keep walking in it. We're to stop walking in it so that we have fellowship, real fellowship with God the Father and real fellowship with his son and real fellowship with Christian believers, which the Gnostics didn't have. He said, if we walked in darkness and sin, then we didn't have fellowship with real Christians. We didn't have fellowship even with God. So then if we revisit uh, 1 John 1, 8 and 10, again, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, if you take context in, into the equation here, we realize that what John is really saying is he is countering the claims of the Gnostics as he had stated in verses 8 and 10 in his thing about um, saying that you have not sinned or that you have no sin. He is directly speaking to the Gnostics, not to the Christians. This is not normal Christian to keep on sinning in our lives. But you might ask, how can you say that? Well, before we get there, I just want to say, if this video has been helpful to you so far, then I want you to subscribe, like, and turn on the notifications to get more content like this. Also, tell me in the comments below whether or not you think these verses teach that a normal Christian life is one of sin, and you'll find that as we keep going out. Also, visit godsresistance.com for more info. Now, let's get back into the study. So, does the prevalent interpretation of these verses fit with the context of all of 1 John? Let's see what 1 John says the, the normal Christian life is. 
The normal Christian life is a life without sin. We can do that by looking into 1 John 2, 1. So let's go to 1 John 2, 1. He says, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So the normal Christian life is don't sin. That's the normal Christian life. So we have a victory over willful sin in the Christian life. That's what John says. I say these things to you that if you sin not. He's not saying that it's impossible that one would ever sin again. There may be the unfortunate circumstance where it happens, in which case we go to Jesus, our advocate, and we ask for forgiveness and repentance and we go, but it's not normal. That's the part I'm, uh, point I'm trying to make here. That's the point John would try to make. Also, we see a test of assurance and a knowledge of salvation. Uh, if we were to look in verses uh, three and six in chapter two of 1 John, then we find uh, another thing here. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. He said, if you say that you know Christ, but you don't keep his commandments, you're just fooling yourself. So the Christian keeps God's commandments. And it says that when we do that, then we know God's love is perfected in us. And we're to walk even as Jesus walked. Now, did Jesus walk in sin? That's the question. He did not. If we were to move in verse 19, we read, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him if we keep his commandments. That's what he's saying. So we have an assurance when our life backs up um, the Christian religion as we find inside of the scriptures. We're also told about victory over hatred towards the brethren in the ninth verse of chapter two. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. So if you say, if you say I love Jesus and I'm a Christian, yet you hate your brother, you're fooling yourself, you're still in darkness and need to be saved. He also said that a Christian has victory over the world and its values. So in 1 John 2.15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if you're a worldly Christian, it doesn't even make any sense. There's no such thing as a worldly Christian because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Also, Christians, true Christians, live and do righteously, according to John. In 1 John 2.29, he says, If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So if you're living a righteous life, then you're truly born again. If you're living an unrighteous life, then you're not truly born again. That's simply what he's saying. First John 3.7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. Listen to that again. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. Again, People would say, Jesus obeyed for me, so I don't have to. Uh, the Apostle John doesn't believe that. He believes that if you are really born again, you're going to live righteously. You're going to do it. Jesus is going to do it for you. He will be living in you and empowering you, but you literally will be doing it. Verse 9 of chapter 3. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So according to the prevalent interpretation, uh, we would have to come to this conclusion. John the apostle is a liar and the truth is not in him if John meant what we say he means. But I think that as we go through this, we realize John's not having a mental problem right here and twisting scripture all around. I think we have the problem in our interpretation and we need to adjust our interpretation to what the truth is. Let's move into verse 18. He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
true Christians do righteously. First John 5, 2 through 4, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So the world's not overcoming us, dear listener. We're overcoming the world through the power of the indwelling Christ. We have victory over sin, and we live righteously. We do it. Verse 18 of chapter 5. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. So if you're really born of God, you don't sin, says John. It's a life without willful sin, listener. There is a distinct difference between a true Christian and someone who sins habitually. Verse 19 of chapter 5, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Also, whoever sins habitually according to John is a sinner and not a Christian. If we look at 1 John 3, 4 through 6, he said, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he, that is Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So dear listener, if you're sinning, you don't know who Christ is. You've never been born again. Verse six is so clear about victory in the Christian life being the norm. So trying to make verses eight and 10 of the first chapter mean that we keep on sinning doesn't make sense in the broader context. Verse eight of chapter three, he that committeth sin is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Here we have also the clear purpose of Christ's atonement and resurrection. First John 3.10, in this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Also answered prayer, according to John, is contingent on a life of victory over sin. Um, chapter three, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This is living a life without willful sin. If you want a deeper dive into the book of 1 John, then check out this playlist um, that I'm going to put on the screen here that you will see that was earlier on the YouTube journey. Guys, can you see now that if we say we have no sin cannot be used to teach that we always will sin as a Christian? Are you making excuses in your life for your sins that Jesus died to free you from? Repent now and let Jesus free you and change you so that you'll live a life of victory over sin. And we'll see you next time. But until then, join the resistance, God's resistance. Your next step is to call or text 570-362-7782 and set up a time to meet. Visit godsresistance.com for more. Come join us every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. and every Wednesday at 5 p.m. for street service in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square. Join the resistance, God's resistance.